Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here are your hosts, Price Atkinson, Steve Carney, and Mike Lovell. A thriller it was in Philadelphia last weekend. History made. The 123rd Army-Navy game had no shortage of excitement. And congratulations to the victorious Army Black Knights. We're going to dive into all of it here on this episode of Yards and Stripes. Your home for Services Academy football, a surprising coaching change in Annapolis, Air Force revving things up for the bowl game, Travis Manion Foundation honor roll, and more. It's all coming up as I'm joined by my co-hosts, Mike Lovell and Steve Carney. I am Price Atkinson. Appreciate everybody investing a little bit of time with us here on Yards and Stripes as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network that you can get on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. But Mike, Steve, before we get out of the gate, before we talk about America's game on Saturday that Mike was at and that we were all tuned into, I think it'd be inappropriate to to, to have liftoff here and to start tonight without at least mentioning and talking about Mike Leach, the unfortunate, untimely, the shocking passing of of the Mississippi State head football coach passing away on Monday. Somebody I got to know a little bit. I wouldn't say I know I knew Coach Leach, but I was a student reporter at the University of Kentucky, um, the beat writer. Um, after I finished my eligibility of swimming, I was the beat writer, covered the football team. We were a daily student paper and was at practice every day, and it was the Hal Mummy era, right when Hal Mummy came in, brought in Mike Leach. Mike Leach is really his big-time introduction to college football when people kind of got to know him when Tim Couch, you know, did some amazing things at Kentucky and um, covered Coach Leach, um, got to know him just very little. I mean, again, I can't say I I knew him, but talked to him several times, many times, but just a a shocking, um, very sad, you know, few days it's been with somebody that his tentacles are all over all over college football whether it be the coaching tree his offense just such an eccentric guy so many stories have come out you know he never played a down of college football he had a law degree he was an innovator he was a thinker it's just uh it's just shocking at 61 years old Mike Leach is gone yeah, Price. Uh, just a, a uh, an integral part of college football, and I think for for two two things strike me. One is a football nerd, and we've talked about this before. Me being a football nerd, for a guy to <clears throat> he and Hal Mummy are really the the originators of the what 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 our fans here is the air raid offense. But kind of bringing that philosophy to the modern era of college football, I don't think pe- I think people kind of get caught up in the the sound bites of Mike Leach. Yeah. They don't understand that that he and Hal Mummy together. How mummy kind of maybe the brains. Mike Leach is kind of the, the guy that pushed it forward from a from an implementation right. standpoint. Really changed the philosophy of how foot, modern football is played with a pass first approach. That those are the two guys that brought that into. If you look at the NFL now, college football now, most of your teams, the vast majority of your teams are pass focused teams. That's because of how mummy and Mike Leach. People don't understand that. I mean, too, you know, I, th- I think what people. I think the average fan relates to Mike Leach more than most coaches. Most coaches are soundbite driven. Mm-hmm. You know, this drive for excellence, 23 and a half hours a day in the office, making phone calls to recruits, studying film. You know, a lot of people can't relate to that because a lot of people don't want to spend 23 hours in the office. And a lot of people don't want to read prepared notes all day. A lot of people just want to be genuine genuinely themselves and that's what he was and i think that's why people relate to him always curious that kind of always uh made me admire him uh you know sometimes he sometimes he says stuff that just kind of bounces the wrong way yeah but you appreciate the fact that the guy just kind of is genuine and you know if he makes a comment that that went awry that's because he's being genuine he's not trying to be perfect so i think it's that i think it's that uh embracing of his imperfection that really endeared him to college football fans. I think yeah. really that's the essence of the endearment. So yeah, yeah, we're going to miss him. You know, I'm down here in SEC country. I was super excited for him to come to Mississippi state. You know, there was a time, I think most everybody knows I'm also a Tennessee guy too. There was a time when he may have, may have been on his way to Knoxville. And that was, uh, I was kind of interested to see how that would look, but I actually prefer that he went to Mississippi state so I could see him close up, but not necessarily hmm. in Knoxville. He could have looked like a giant orange if he had been if he had been wearing Tennessee colors. Um, you know, uh, I didn't know Mike Leach very well, um, apart from a lot of the sound bites. But he did come on our station 
uh, when I was at WDA here in Tampa quite often. Uh, mm-hmm. He was, you know, it was amazing to see, uh, you know, his availability and he gave our, our midday hosts his, his home, his home phone number and his, and his cell number. And he said, you know what, you want me to come on anytime you guys want, I will come on. You don't even have to, you don't even have to book. If I'm not in practice, if I answer my phone, I'm, I'm willing to come on. And I always respected him for the fact that he was so giving of his time to guys that really, I, I, I wondered, you know, how much good could we have done for him when he was, you know, at Texas Tech or at Washington State or even in Starkville, um, you know, being here uh, in Tampa. But he was always willing to come on. He was always funny. And and the sad part is the we were all excited because Mississippi State was playing in the ReliQuest Bowl here in Tampa on January 2nd and, or January 1st. And, you know, we were going to get to see him in person. Uh, he actually uh, was at the signing um, and we were, we were all very excited to see him. Um, th- those of us that went to the, the signing, it was, it was really good to see him. Um, and then to get the news on Monday, uh, I know that my former station spent, uh, all day talking about Mike Leach. They had, uh, on some of their, some of his former assistants, uh, you know, some former players and, uh, they spent, a, you know, they spent a lot of time for a guy that never coached down here in Tampa. Uh, yeah. which I thought was, you know, kind of showed the, um, the importance of him and how much he meant to, uh, to college football, that, that guys from Tampa that weren't part of, you know, his, his circle, you know, cared so much about, about his passing. And I think, yeah. I think you saw that around the country that so many people uh, spent so much time talking about why Mike Leach was so important to college football. Just on those practice fields alone, I mean, just on the offensive side, you know, at Kentucky that very first year, I mean, Neil Brown was a walk-on out of Boyle County, you know, now the head coach at West Virginia, and Chris Hatcher was our quarterback's coach. He came from Valdosta State, who is now head coach at Samford, and, you know, of course, Mike Leach was the offensive coordinator, and one thing you said, you know, he he never bit like even as a student writer, you know, there are a lot of coaches that kind of brush you off, and, and, and Mummy did it a few times, but largely he was – he was always giving him his time, but Mike Leach always, he never big time, not one single time did he ever treat me or any of my colleagues as inferior. Um, just a, a, a fantastic guy and just some saddened for his family and for Mississippi State, but college football fans everywhere because he meant so much to the game. Um, I can only imagine, ahead. I can only imagine because the Bulldogs are going to play their bowl game in honor of, of coach Leach, they have already said that they are going to play, which I think is, is an incredible uh, compliment to, to Mike Leach. And uh, if I'm Illinois, uh, who's their opponent in the Reliquist ball. Oh, that's good. That's going to be a very, very scary Bulldogs team that they're going to take on. They're playing in a stadium with a pirate ship in the stadium. I know that's amazing. No way Mississippi state loses that game. No, no no chance. If you're in one of those bowl betting pools, I would put in the rank, the games where you, the bowl games, I would put that game, maybe number one on my list because there's no way Mississippi state's losing. Could you put it zero? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like I, I want, I want as many points as, as you can. All get. the points on that game. All, exactly. I'm all on that one yeah. Game. One, two, three, four, five, six, all of them. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Before we get into the 123rd installment of the army Navy game, Mike, tell our friends about ticket smarter. All right, fans, college football bowl season is here. If you're looking for the best seats to the biggest bowl games at the most competitive prices, we want to make sure you take advantage of the Ticket Smarter app and the Ticket Smarter website. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They're also the official ticket resale partner for ESPN events. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter <clears throat> makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live and in person. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all of our podcasts on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off of your order of $100 or more. That code is not just good. That code isn't 
just for a one-time use. You can use that code as many times as you want this bowl season for the best selection of college football seats to the best games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with the Ticket Smarter app or at TicketSmarter.com. And remember our code, Gridiron22. Think smarter, use Ticket Smarter. I, I want to mention that uh, since we're talking about the ReliaQuest Bowl and, and Ticket Smarter, I just went on Ticket Smarter's uh, uh, website to look for tickets, and you can get tickets to Mississippi State and Illinois starting at just $39. So think about that. You can get 5% off of of that and really go to one of the best uh, college football games out there and uh, save some money doing so. If I'm you that resides anywhere in that area, like you two gentlemen, I am there. I am finding any kind of garnet, uh, any kind of red, and I'm pulling for the Bulldogs. My old room, one of my old roommates in Annapolis, he went to Mississippi State, was part of the pro golf management program at Mississippi State, diehard state fan of this day. I would pull for him, not just because Daryl, but I would pull for him because of Mike Leach. I was on the sideline. I did sideline reports for that game for 12 years. So it's always, it's always my favorite uh, game of the year uh, when January 2nd, uh, you know, when New Year's comes around. And usually it's on New Year's Day, but of course this year on January 2nd, uh, I, I love I love doing that game. Uh, it's always it's always a blast. I think it's a crime that uh, Chris Sullivan, the Outback Bowl, it's not the Outback Bowl anymore. But that's that's neither here nor there for this conversation. I thankfully bloom- I believe Outback is still at least catering the press boxes. All right, that's all that matters. At the end of the day, that's all that matters at Bloom and Onions all around. All right, guys, the hundred and twenty third installment of America's Game tasted overtime for the very first time. And as I mentioned earlier, the Army Black Knights coming out of it victorious in double overtime, 20 to 17. Army now six and six, Navy falling to four and eight to finish the regular season. You know, guys, we said mistakes are usually the determining factor, that margin for error. It's just oh so thin. And, you know, Saturday was that case, you know, to start double overtime. Um, you know, Navy fullback Anton Hall Jr. puts the ball on the ground at the, I don't even say the goal line, the one-inch line. Army recovers, and Quinn Moretzky kicks a 39-yard field goal for the win. I don't want to say it was the only mistake for Navy of the day. It was the only turnover of the day, the block punt that got uh, Army on the scoreboard first and gave them the 7-3 to halftime lead just, what, 90 seconds before the half. I mean, that's a mistake, or if you want to call it, that's a big play that Army made. Um, but the fo- the fumble at the goal line, Anton Hall Jr., um, you know, Austin Hill forces it, and it's recovered by Amin Hassan. And the uh, Moretzky 39-yard field goal, game, set, match, history, Army 20-17. to Michael, you were there. What did it feel like? Well, I mean, it was a typical Army-Navy game. It was fantastic. Uh, you talked about mistakes. You know, it, it kind of felt like Navy reverted back to their early early season form. Not only did they have the one turnover, but they had eight, eight penalties for 65 yards, both of those more than Army had. So it, it was almost like which team was – which team was playing not to make the mistakes and that that usually turn that usually gets you to lose you know when you kind of play that prevent philosophy kind of game that you know the philosophy of I'm not going to lose this game for army mm-hmm. that won them the game and I, I'll tell you the punt block was absolutely a mistake on Navy's part when you were untouched deep, two two of them untouched two of them untouched yeah. so you have one you have a cut you have a blocking scheme breakdown but two if you're the punter and you're on your own goal line and you got 90 seconds to go in a half in a game that you think you're going to win. When you catch the ball, kick it, kick. Don't take three steps, kick the ball, just get it out of there. Here's here's the thing. Army had not been able to do anything, anything on offense. So if you give it to them on the 40, who cares? You're, you're going to, they're going to have 70, 75 seconds to go 40 yards when they haven't went 40 yards the whole first half. So catch the ball and kick the ball. Don't try to send a missile down inside the other 20 yard line. So, so yeah, I'm going to count that as a, as a two mistakes in one that block punt, but it was great. The atmosphere was great. Uh, it, it's good to see that army and Navy, uh, the game's most classic rivalry is in good hands. The energy is still there. Uh, Philadelphia is still the place to do it. We, we can talk about this maybe on another show, but I'm kind of anxious to see how it goes in Boston next year. But as for the game itself on, on the ground, it was fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, great to see, obviously, from my perspective, great to see Army get back in the win column. Uh, a good deal. And f- fun time all around. But that, that, that game, the atmosphere, it, it is what it still – America's game, still America's classic rivalry. Yeah, the only Steve. other thing, the only other thing that I'll say about it is that um, about, about the the blocked <clears throat> punt 
um, by Riley Reithman as after the block at that point, you got to understand as the punter, you got to get that ball out of the back of the end zone, take, give up two points. Don't give up seven. Cause at that point, if, if he somehow is able to just grab the football, he's trying to dive on the football. And in, in my, my opinion, he needs to be trying to dive and push the football out the back of the end zone uh, for a safety, as opposed to uh, as opposed to a touchdown. Yeah, but but Steve, Steve, if I can add on to that, that that's the reason why I said two came in and blocked that 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 play. And I know I know people are going to think this is kind of dumb, but that punt play was designed to block a punt. Mm-hmm. You have a second guy coming in, and just so everybody knows, not every punt coverage is designed to block a punt. Most of them are coverage plays. Yeah, that punt was designed as a punt block, and you can tell because the guy off the edge is immediately going untouched one, but immediately yeah. going behind the punter. He's the guy designated to recover the block. That's how you can tell when. When a when a punt coverage play is designed to block, oh, yeah. uh, the, the, the Navy punter really didn't have a chance. The only thing that the only possible saving grace that Navy had was that the Army player almost fumbled rolled the ball out, out, of the of the of the yeah, out of the back of the end zone. Yeah, the back of the end But but the guy, but that guy, uh, he he was he actually came untouched off the edge, and he was mm-hmm. he was I think he was ten or fifteen yards past Navy's punter when he actually got to the ball because. Yeah. Uh, because he came again, he came in untouched, just like oh, the guy I, that blocked the punt. I, I understand completely, but at that point, if you're if you're uh, if you're Heathman, you've got to be able, um, if uh, if you're able to get get the ball out of the back of the end zone, and they and they weren't able to. You know, when we're talking about the punt block punt guys, you know, I mentioned last week on our Army Navy preview special. You know, I thought Army had the edge on special teams, and one thing was that Army came into this game with two block punts this year. I mean, 13 most into the in the country coming into the game. And I'm not going to go back and, like, second-guess coaching or anything, but, you know, both you guys alluded to it, but, I mean, Navy up and down that field in that first half, thoroughly outplaying Army. And Army couldn't even – I mean, it was almost three and out almost every single time. They had to find some kind of life. I mean, did you not know they were might bring pressure or try and come after that punt? Because, like you said, I mean, they – Two guys come unblocked, but uh, to me, I just don't know how that that breakdown and protection happens when you kind of think the Army's going to try and generate anything, especially right before the half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just again, you know, they're, they're backed up in their end zone. I, I think he was punting from maybe the ten to fifteen. Uh, I can't remember right off the top of my head. So even if, even if you just punch it out to the fifty, you're forcing Army to go. It's just from a strategic perspective. You, you know, uh, Army special teams coach Sean Saturno. Uh, he, you know, he's a well-respected coach. Uh, again, you mentioned they've already performed earlier this season, so you're asking Army to go mm-hmm. even just a even just a punch out, a one-step punt. You're going to yeah. get it to the 50 at the very least, right. and you're asking Army to go 50 yards. You're just trying uh, to clear it. Uh, yeah, you're just trying to get it out of there, right? And turn yeah. it back over to your defense, who's been playing well. Now you go into the locker room. I mean, that, that you talk about situations. They talk about situational football all the time. This is a perfect example of situational football. Now you go into the locker room. <clears> you're down, even though your defense has stopped the offense, even though your offense has been dominant they just haven't put any points on the board except for the field goal so that's a complete uh you know a complete psychological shift in the last 60 seconds of that first half i, I just i don't understand why you don't put max protection on that play yeah well you know it was a game it was a game of big plays you know the, the block punt then anton hall jr you know who we talked about fumbling you know, I, I hate to say giving the game away, but I mean, he knew it. You I mean, you saw the anguish on his face as he's down on the ground, knowing in that, you know, you get in the ball first in that second overtime, that ball's on the ground, Army recovers. You you pretty much know the fate, and you could see it in his face, but I mean, he helped get Navy to that point. I mean, there's no arguing that. I mean, the 77-yard touchdown run where he breaks free on a trap up the middle with 409 left in the third quarter, you know, that put Navy on front 10-7, to 7, you know, before Moretzky tied it late in the game, you know, a 37-yard field goal, a clutch field goal with 153 left in the football game. And then, I mean, golly, guys, the way the teams came out in overtime, holy cow. I mean, <laughs> one play, one play, uh, you know, 25 yards, Markel Johnson on the run, and then the Mikel Haywood, the only pass that Xavier Arline completes all day long. They come out, and, and that offensive staff has the gall to throw it there, and he's wide open. I mean, it was fireworks. I mean, it was like, where were these all day? But obviously, that set up that second overtime where uh, we obviously we we know what happened there. Um, I feel you know, I feel awful for Anton Hall uh, because, like you said, you know, we. <laughs> 
we're going to remember this uh, Army-Navy game for going into double overtime and Anton Hall putting the ball on the turf just outside the goal line when yep. he had an opportunity to make it 24 uh, to 17. And and it shouldn't be that. You know, yeah. I think that we should remember the 77-yard touchdown and the fact that Anton Hall got the mid made sure that the midshipman had that opportunity. And unfortunately it takes 22 guys on the field in order to, to earn success. And uh, when, when you've got 21 of 22 of them doing it for most of the, it, it, you have to do it for every single play and you, you take a, you have a play go wrong and all of a sudden, you know, it's, uh Oh, like we said, it's, it, it became, uh, a tale of two mistakes, the blocked punt yeah. and then, and then Hall's fumble. And and you feel bad because, you know, we should, you know, give credit where credit is due that Navy isn't in that situation. If Anton Hall doesn't have the day that he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, uh, you talk about Hall's fumble, very reminiscent of the Trent Stillman fumble uh, several years mm-hmm. ago in that game. Yeah. And, you know, that's still, you know, you still remember uh, the Trent Stillman uh, fumble. So you're very reminiscent of that. You know, just that the, the just the gut wrenching uh, reactions on the sideline just makes you makes you makes your heart hurt. Even if you're even if you're an opposing fan, it just makes your heart hurt yeah. seeing him on the ground like that. Yeah, same Trent Steelman who was a guest right here on Yards and Stripes last season. Um, real quick, uh, you know this was going to be 17 straight years of this game hitting the under until overtime showed up and that blew everything up. But you know. Mike, you had uh, Navy twenty-four to seventeen. Steve, Navy seventeen to fourteen. I'm the only one that picked Army. I never, I rarely ever get these right. Steve was probably closest in the in the score in terms of seventeen fourteen. Um, you know, but I was the only one that that went with Army, and of course, you know, get a little lucky there at the end. But let me ask you guys this because I don't know if you guys picked up on this. You know, Air Force obviously wins the Commander in Chief Trophy. We know that this game was obviously you know, pride bowl game, you know, everything that comes with America's game between Army and Navy. Do you think Air Force was forcing the issue at all? Because it seemed like all day on social media that Air Force kept reminding their followers or anybody who was, you know, watching or following that, you know, according to them, Army and Navy were playing for second place. You know, the Commander-in-Chief trophy was residing in Colorado Springs. I think after about the seventh or eighth one, I just got a little bit tired of it. And I've been as big of an Air Force fan. I, I mean, you got, I mean, we've all acknowledged this, their success and will continue to do so. And I'll continue to pull for them. But I was just a little bit put out, you know, at the end by, you know, about the fifth or sixth, you know, social media post from the Air Force Academy reminding everybody um, that this was for second place. And I'd just like to note Scott Strassmeyer, my old boss of the Naval Academy in his game notes, he mentioned that, you know, while the Commander-in-Chief trophy was not on the line, these two teams that were playing today, meaning Army and Navy, were playing to be the number one service academy team not on probation. <laughs> yeah, and, and the other issue, Price, is it, it doesn't it doesn't match the brand. You know, if if you've got a school, uh, you know, who's active on social media, and, and you know, a lot of these coaches are active. You know, if you're if you're Ole Miss, uh, you've got Lane Kiffin, you can be kind of tug in cheek, you can kind of be funny, you can kind of be forward in your use of social media. But if you're Air Force, it's just not a good look. It doesn't match your brand. And look, you know, I'm sure Air Force is upset that Army Navy has the exclusive national window. I'm sure the Air Force is upset that both the academies are, you know, 200 years old, 150 years older than the Air Force Academy, on and on and on. But look, man, look, I'm sure maybe they're thinking that it's it's about recruiting. All all three schools recruit Texas heavily. Uh, I know Army's getting out to California a little bit more now. Uh, so, so maybe they're trying to, maybe they're speaking to the recruits and trying to tell the recruits that Air Force is where you need to be in, during that exclusive window. But it just didn't match the brand. It's not really, it's not really the way you would expect the service academy to do it. Um, you know, when it's Army Navy weekend, the focus is on Army Navy, and that's just, that's just the way it is. And you know, Air Force trying to jump in on that. It's just, uh, I think it reflected more poorly on their brand than what they had intended. I thought they were trying to, they probably intended to be a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of uh, not avant-garde, a little bit more um, modern in their use of social media. I think it yeah. backfired. It's just not, that's not, it doesn't go along very well with the brand. Yeah. yeah. On Army Navy Day, it, uh, Air Force, unfortunately, has to go 
you, we have to abide by the rules of the noted philosopher, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> know your role and shut your mouth. <laughs> because, <laughs> because it does. It looks bad. Uh, you know, if you're an Air Force, I, my, my opinion is, Act like you've been there before. This isn't the first time that Air Force has won the Commanders in Chief trophy. And so you I feel I feel like you can say it once and that's yeah. fine. Like, hey, you know, normally this, you know, there are many years, there's many years that this game is for the Commander in Chief trophy. Well, the Commander in Chief trophy is going to be watching this game in Colorado Springs with us. And yeah. that would have been fine. Would have that would have been that would have been fine if they had done it once. But the fact that they did it. Over and over yeah. and over again, it was like picking the scab and putting your finger in the wound, and it was like, oh, all right, that's that's enough. It's like, shut up, guys. Well, there's I'm a reason sure. why the, there's a reason why the younger brother gets to drive the car last. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's, just, it's the natural order of the universe, you know. Well, uh, you know, not not because we have the feelings here, but in Academy Land, that. A lot of folks, whether especially Army, Navy, just don't care for the Air Force Academy. And there are a multitude of reasons, but that does not help that that persona. Let me just say that. Um, before we get, yeah, well, <laughs> before we get on to our game balls, because we're going to give out our game balls, we are going to talk about Coach Ken Niamatololo being dismissed. We do have our Travis Manning Foundation honor roll segment coming up. We're going to talk about the Air Force's bowl game and Ben Chase, who – our man Mike Lovell is going to catch up. Who caught it? He caught up with a few days ago. He was at the Army Navy game. Ben Chase is attending. What is it, Mike? About 75, 80 college football games this year, and you sponsored him uh, on behalf of Last Word on Sports and uh, Yards and Stripes to attend the Army Navy game. So you got to catch up with him. We're going to bring a little bit of that here uh, in just a few minutes before we do our game balls because we're going to get to that next. Uh, we need to tell you about our friends at BetUS because, as you know, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you know it's BetUS who was pioneers in the sports book industry. We want you to go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have on our shows from College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. And let me tell you about that offer right now. You'll receive 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Here's how it works. You put in 100, you get an additional 125 to play with. 200 initially deposited, that gets you 250 and so on. BetUS has the NFL. It's got everything. And what better time to get involved with BetUS than with college bowl season at the precipice starting this weekend. Regardless of sport, we want you to be with BetUS.com. Check them out at BetUS.com. And remember, our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. BetUS. You bet you win. You get paid. All right, guys. Game ball. Michael, you were there. Why don't you fire away, my man? All right, Price. Uh, you know, uh, we talked about uh, last week, we talked about special teams quite a bit. You guys said Army has the edge in special teams. I said maybe with the units, but not necessarily with the specialists. I was dead wrong. Uh, Quinn Moretzky uh, came back, a couple of things. So my game ball is going to Quinn Moretzky, kicked the tying field goal with about a minute to go to put it into overtime, and then the game winning field goal to win the army navy game so a couple things here one moretzky lost uh the game winning field goal against troy a couple weeks ago so he's got this couple couple missed extra points in the season that were were kind of painful so one moretzky makes up uh for some painful kicks earlier in the season and then two to to have the weight of the army navy game on your shoulders and to nail two two field goals that you have to have uh, one to get into overtime and one to win the game. And you know, you know, part of this, again, I know our listeners have heard this a hundred times, but every day at each one of these academies, you in classes with beat Navy, you walk through the beat Navy tunnel, you, you put beat Navy's answer on a test, you get five extra points. It's all about winning that game. You know that if you lose, if you miss that field goal, that you're going to live with that your entire life. If you make that field goal, you're going to live with that your entire life. You know, walking down, uh, walking off the sideline onto the field, you know that the next 30 seconds in, in your performance will ha affect your life for the rest of your life. Moretzky ice in his veins, ties it up with a minute to go, and then kicks the game winner in overtime to win the Army-Navy game and become an Army legend. My game ball, Quinn Moretzky. <laughs> And he will never buy another drink in any O club in the United States or around the world because of it. Steven? 
I got another guy that's probably not going to have to worry about buying a drink in an officer's club either. And that is Noah short of army. He of course was the guy who blocked the punt in the first half of of Riley Reefman and uh, caused the uh, black Knights to go up seven, three, uh, as opposed to uh, Navy being up three, nothing at halftime in that game. So uh, it was a great play. It was well-designed and it was run at the, at the perfect time for the black Knights. Everything went right. And it starts with Noah short being able to get his mitts on that, uh, on that kick uh, that led to the touchdown. So uh, I salute Noah short for a fantastic <laughs> job. Well done. He gets my game ball. All right, I was uh, looking at Army junior linebacker Leo Lowen, who had 16 tackles in the game, four of which were solo. But I was feeling something about Army special teams last week. I just felt like they had an edge there. And, you know, I mentioned they came into the game with two block punts. They blocked that big one, their third one of the season. It was a touchdown when they desperately needed it to go into the locker room with momentum and up 7-3. to three. You know, Moreski kicks two field goals in the game to Bijan Nichols one, but Army had a big edge in punting, 42 and a half yards compared to 37 and a half yards. Um, they returned three punts in the game. A lot of times you don't even see punts returned uh, in the college game that often, but they returned, Army did three punts for just shy of 19 yards each average. But obviously the big one, you know, that block punt, um, and then the the, the field goal to win it in double overtime. So I'm going to give it to the entire Army special teams units because had a gut feeling there. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the special teams really came through in a big way uh, for the Black Knight. So my game ball to the Army special teams units. All right. Michael caught up with Ben Chase. Mike, tell everybody real quickly about Ben Chase, who you sponsored for the Army-Navy game this past weekend. Yeah, Ben will tell us a little bit about his endeavor. But, Ben, I think Army-Navy was his 60th game this season. He's going to get 77, I believe, total in. <clears throat> Ben's been driving to all these games the past three months. Just the the ultimate college football road trip. He has driven to every one of these games from the other one uh, in his car, Betty White and army Navy was the 60th. I reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people supporting him because you know, 60 tickets, 60 hotel rooms, <laughs> all that, all that mileage, that gets to be pretty expensive. So I reached out to him and said, Hey, uh, uh, yards and stripes and last word on college football would like to sponsor you to get into the army navy game he took me up on that offer we spent several hours together to include in the game and then uh, i called up to him after the game to get his uh feedback his experience on his first ever in-person army navy game all right we're here with college football superfan ben chase ben is on an epic road trip this year uh ben to start off with won't you tell us uh, the number of games you've been to, how many more you plan on going on, just a little bit about your epic road trip this year. Yeah, uh, first, thanks for letting me come on with you guys today. I uh, So, yeah, my name's Ben Chase. I'm on a road trip to see 77 college football games across the country. Uh, I've been to 60 so far, with the last one being, of course, with you, Army-Navy. Uh, and I have 17 more to go starting tomorrow at the Cure Bowl in Orlando, where I'm from. And I'll go to 14 games in 16 days and then three more to end the, the season. I've been to all 48 states. And, uh, yeah, this is the longest little gap I've had of a break from a Saturday game with you to Friday. So six days, like, off. But really, I've been traveling and doing other things as well. That, that That's amazing. I think everybody would love to do kind of that epic road trip uh, once in their life. And you drove the whole way, right? Uh, you've been driving to every single game? Yeah, all on the road. I've driven to every game. Well, we were proud to uh, sponsor you here at Yards and Stripes. And last we're on college football, uh, we're very proud to sponsor you for the Army-Navy game. Tell us a little bit about your Army-Navy game experience. What are your thoughts coming out of, of that weekend in Philadelphia? Holy smokes. I mean, I'd, I've never been to the Army-Navy game before, so it was my first time. And thank you again for letting me come with you. And, you know, I got there and I, you know, took it all in, took a lap around the stadium, the link. And just like, you know, I've been to, you know, that was my 60th game and, uh, it's uh, everyone asks me about like energy around stadiums and you know this is a game between you know, a five and six you know army team and a four and seven I believe navy team so you know on paper you know you're, you're both of these teams mentally are like well you know it's the end of the season like whatever but not, like 
that's what the usual expectation is, but no, not this game. Like it was, you know, I've been to rivalry games before, you know, last week I was at the iron bowl before this and, you know, I've, uh, and I've been to, you know, Florida, Florida state, like just the energy and like desire, you know, sitting next to you and seeing, you know, the, the, the army side, like, like it didn't matter. Like you, I think you said at one point, you're like, I'd rather just be one and 11 and beat Navy than 12 and zero or, or 12 and one or whatever, or 11 and one. And I could see that intensity and feel that throughout the state. I mean, I got chills, like, you know, when the flyover happened and I actually walked into the stadium as the bands are doing their battle of the bands, like, right. So that was really awesome. You know, you don't really see that, uh, you know, like, at, like this basically face off right between the bands, which was really fun to see. So it was, you know, experience nothing like I've seen uh, on this entire trip. So it was definitely one. And obviously the game itself was, you know, the first, the, the regulation was like a, uh, you know, something in itself. And then overtime was a wild finish. So that was like a, you know, it was one of the most special memories of, of the trip so far. Well, what was your favorite part about the, uh, the game and the weekend and the experience? I mean, besides hanging out with you and seeing you get so emotionally excited about the win, uh, you know, I think it was just, you know, seeing, uh, you know, thousands of people that just care about not just the outcome on the field, but our country and, and just seeing like, how you know they're all wearing with pride like our colors and uh i think one of the guys that uh the the person that led like the pregame prayer said like you know on this field you know we're you know adversaries but you know on on the main field we're you know together as one and i thought that was like a really special moment that he said that and uh yeah it was yeah it's just one of those things where like it kind of has a bigger meeting than just the game uh and it kind of reminds us of like you know we're able to celebrate uh, our freedom here in the country and, and celebrate, you know, it's, it's obviously like the game has its own week for a reason. Uh, and I think that's, uh, hopefully that doesn't change uh, because it, it should be highlighted every year that that's, you know, why the America's game, it's not, we're not just saying that like, you know, American football is America's game. And you know, this is two of our, our strongest uh, teams together, uh, you know, on the field and, you know, singing, seeing the, you know, the, the singing second tradition was really cool. Like, and the, you know, obviously the storming in a field was a, a special moment as well. That's awesome. So you talked about this a little bit earlier, but but what, what was different about this game or this weekend than any of the other 60 games you've been at uh, this season on your road trip? Yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen uh, uh, some of the, the, the military RTC schools, you know, West uh, you know, Virginia Tech and, you know, Texas A&M. And like you see like you know, a small little pocket of, uh, you know, servicemen or people that are becoming servicemen. And then at that game, you know, you see, like, you told me it's like 99% of both academies are there. Like, uh, you know, they're bust to the, the stadium and like seeing their energy and they're all, you know, the cleanest people you're going to see at any game, you know, uh, it, it's cool that that's still a, you know, part of the tradition. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard because, you know, you go into these games with, I go into every game with like very little expectations, like especially this one. Like you asked me, like how much do I know about the military, and I was like, I don't really know much. You know, I you know grew up a single parent household, and I grew up with my mom, so like I don't really, and my dad, like I don't really know much about the military. So like sitting next to you, learning about the traditions, like like the, the Letterman jackets, or I don't know what you guys call them, but like the the, the year graduation, those were really cool to see. I saw like a couple that was like both had nine like 1990 so I assume that they either met or like she's like repping for him and um just like little things like that that you were you pointed out to me that I could like took mental notes of it was it was just you know it's one of those things where like you know I said to you I believe that you know this 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 uh journey has kind of become like a blur but uh when I sit down and think of like individual moments there's very little moments that are going to be as special as like you know, that game winning field goal after we were both confused about the call and uh, I, I, it was it was an awesome time. Yeah, I'm just curious, Ben, what um, I mean, you, so you mentioned driving to all these. What what logistically has been the the hardest part has, I, you know, of each of these games? Has it been like trying to get a parking pass? Has it been a, a good tailgate spot? Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, honestly, the most difficult things have been like waiting to see what time games actually are going to be started because like they don't announce the game times for kickoffs like six or 12 days before so like I'm you know during the week you know it's Saturday I'm at a game Sunday I kind of unwind they don't announce them until like Monday and they, it's not even like 
I have to like look at a Twitter account for these football teams and be like, all right, because it won't like ESPN or like the scheduling, they won't uh, update it until like hours after the school's tweet. So like if I'm trying to do two games in a day and I'm trying to plan in advance, I'm like, all right, well, let me see. And then I got to look at like, is it central time? Is it mountain time? Is it Pacific time? And, you know, I've had a few games where like, you know, I thought, I was going to be, you know, in St. Louis and the game was changed last minute to Arkansas and because, you know, people weren't going to go and just making sure I, I, I add an hour, drop an hour kind of thing. So I think it's mostly just that stuff from like a game logistics thing. I mean, I, I don't try to, I, I, I really, really don't like paying for parking. So I, I have like a mental rule where like I'm okay parking like at within like 1.2 miles of the stadium and just yeah. jogging to the stadium. And that's what I actually did at the Army <laughs> Navy game. I parked like not in the boonies, but pretty far away and kind of just like jogged over. <laughs> so like, so, uh, and then I, you know, and then and that's kind of like one of the logistics. If people offer me a parking pass, I'll take it obviously. But uh, those are like the two main things that people don't really see on the back end that uh, uh, I try to save money on. You know, a lot of people are asking uh, write a book and I think that's something that I, I, I would consider just because like uh, this story like my story and how this is looking to end is more than just this trip I kind of like actually started a road trip last summer in 2021 I just left Orlando um, and it was like I'm gonna figure it out on the road I wasn't really happy with my job and you know uh, this you know last 18 months and through this trip is this is kind of like the penultimate like uh, chapter of whatever is next in my life uh, so uh, I think that'll be the play, but you know, I, I get a lot of people like what's like the best atmosphere and I'll, I'll answer them. And I think I'll do some kind of like quick one, but uh, nothing too extensive. <laughs> I just don't, I, I want everyone to understand that like I've had an, an incredible time at all the games uh, yeah. in, in some way or another. So, well, we certainly hope the army Navy's up there with you. How many miles did you do or how many miles you at total for your road trip? I you think know? I'm like right under 50 K like within like a hundred miles of 50 K. 50,000 miles of football for an entire fall. That, that's yeah. uh, that's amazing, wow. Ben. Well, we were, uh, we here at Yards and Stripes, thank you for joining us, and we're, we're happy to be and proud to be part of a small part of your 50,000-mile, four-month journey. Uh, oh, so, man, I'm again, so grateful for you guys. Thank you for letting me be on the show, and thank you for letting me uh, share the time with you at the game and have some adult beverages. And Well, we'd love to see you in Boston next year, and good luck in bowl season. Thanks for joining us tonight, and uh, Price, we'll throw it back over to you. All right, that's college football superfan Ben Chase. Appreciate Michael getting that audio and bringing that to you all here on Yards and Stripes this week. we got a whole lot more to do on Yards and Stripes. We're going to talk about the dismissal of Coach Ken Niamatololo. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I was shocked when I heard the news around lunchtime on Sunday. We'll get into that, our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment, and then we'll talk a little bit about Air Force's upcoming bowl game and the Armed Forces Bowl against Baylor. It's coming up next here on Yards and Stripes. It's everything you need to know about Service Academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here once again are Price, Steve, and Mike. Continuing on here on Yards and Stripes Unfortunately, one person that's not continuing on is Navy head coach Ken Niamatololo, who was dismissed on Saturday evening when Chet Gladchuk, the athletic director from the United States Naval Academy, went into uh, Niamatololo's office at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia and dismissed the Navy head coach, said he was going to be making a change. The news broke around lunchtime just shy of about one o'clock on Sunday and after three straight losing seasons for the last five you know a combined record the last three years of 11 in 23 that it does include the COVID year Navy going to be looking for a new head coach as defensive coordinator Brian Newberry was promoted to the interim uh, job um came to Navy in 2019, and since Newberry has arrived, I mean, the defensive side of the football has been the strength of the Navy team. And from what I've heard and talking with sources that it's going to be Brian Newberry's job to lose um, is what I've been told. And so the smart money will likely be on Brian Newberry to be retained and keeping most of his defensive staff in place that he would become the next head coach. Nothing confirmed, just from what I've been hearing, uh, but Chad Gladchuk making 
the change. And I'll say this because it's kind of a uh, life coming full circle when, you know, the first real football coaches I got to know personally uh, was that how mummy staff that very first uh kentucky staff when how mummy came to to uk uh with uh, mike leach as offensive coordinator and instituted the air raid got to know those guys as the beat writer for the student paper for you know a full year at practice every day um probably the closest that i've ever gotten to know a coaching staff was this navy coaching staff and um those that coached before coach Niamatololo, but certainly uh, Kenny and his time at the Naval Academy working with him. Uh, I think I've told the story a couple times here, but I remember when they sent out a all uh, athletic department email that I was going to be leaving. Kenny didn't reply all or reply to that when he wrote, and I still have it to this day uh, from 2003 when he just wrote an email, said, Price, we're going to miss you. Love playing basketball with you at lunchtime. Um, it's not going to be the same around here without you. And, and he was offensive coordinator at the time. Didn't have to do it, but he was just such a – such a great person you know and i i've heard a lot of folks you know whether it be on not just the navy side but on the army side uh, people from air force that have talked about just whether they thought think it was a raw deal or not but just what a great person coach ken niamatololo was and this one hit me a little bit differently um personally in a different spot just knowing kenny how he wears his heart on his sleeve how he is as authentic and as good of a man or coach that I've ever been around, especially at the collegiate level, regardless of sport. But then there is a business side of this, and I get that. And, you know, three straight losing seasons, having lost to Army, what, two out of the last three, you know, as I mentioned, 11 and 23 record during that time. Um, you know, at some point, you, you've got to look at it from that side of things. And, I know we might all agree, disagree, but Navy will be looking for a new head coach, whether that's Brian Newberry or not. But Kenny not, Niamatololo will not be roaming the Navy sidelines next year, Steve. Yeah, it's 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 disappointing, uh, you know, when you make a change, especially moving away from the the coach who has won more games for the Naval Academy <laughs> than anybody in the history of the of the school. Um, I I certainly think that the timing stinks um you know i i think that it probably would have been better served for uh the athletic department to wait at least i mean what it's not like it's not like you're gonna have to worry about who's gonna coach the bowl game uh you're you're not going to a bowl game i don't understand why the the change had to be made in philadelphia you could have waited to get back to annapolis you could have done it on on monday when uh, when everybody is back to work and, and had and had Kenny come in and and go okay we're gonna go in a different direction at this time so I I, I that I kind of don't I don't understand so much the timing uh, of the decision more than the, the decision being made and the other thing that I, I think people um, may I, you know the people that listen to this podcast and people that understand service Academy football, get this, you know, the three of us get this, our listeners get this, but there are a lot of college football fans that don't understand the, I would say that, you know, Navy army and air force play college football with a, with a hand tied behind its back and a leg tied up because they are not able to recruit you know, the same, the same type of players. It's not like they can bring in someone like a Scott Frost or whoever and institute a, a brand new offense, because let's face it, you know, service Academy players can't play those types. You know, you're going to play the, the triple option style that, that fits the, the fits the players. And so that, that leads you to a much smaller uh, coaching pool, which is why, you know, we're looking at, you know, interim uh, interim coach is probably going to end up being given the given the job uh, on a on a full base the on a full basis, uh, and, and then on top of that, you know, you can't recruit the players that you would in at Nebraska or at UCLA or at Boston College. You know, there are very few <coughs> schools that have a standard like the service academies and that don't give out waivers for, for players, you know, there's yeah. no waiver. You don't get a waiver to, to enter the Naval Academy. If 
you've got to have the grades. You've got to have yeah. the test scores. You've got to have the um, the recommendations. You know, Mike knows this being a, a service academy graduate. You know, the sort of things that you have to do just to get into the damn school. And so uh, I I'm I'm curious, and, and I am concerned that you know the the dismissal of Kenny is probably going to set Navy back. A, a while like i i wouldn't be surprised that if navy doesn't go or if army doesn't go on one of these navy like runs you know where where they win six seven eight of these games in a row because 15 no well, I, would, let's not get to 15 you know, you know what i'm saying navy we, went 15 we'll, we'll leave we'll yeah. leave that yeah, tell, me what, we'll leave, tell me what a navy run is it's 15 we'll, <laughs> we'll leave we'll leave the 15 for navy army's not going to get to 15 well but 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 it's gonna it's gonna be a difficult road for for navy uh, for navy football. Uh, before Mike, real quick before before I want to get you want to get you in here, but real quick, uh, according to Bill Wagner from the Annapolis Capitol, somebody I know, beat writer that covers Navy, um, you know, according to his reporting, he said that uh, Kenny asked uh, Chuck Gladchuck to sleep on it, um, give it a day, but if we you know basically making the case you know with everybody back next year, if we don't make a bowl game, I will resign next year um you know and he you know senior class was decimated um you know by you know covid and you know the you know the 2021 2022 campaigns due to the pandemic and the strict lockdown restrictions and you know here's a quote from kenny um from bill wagner's reporting in the annapolis capital quote i felt like we were handcuffed as compared to the other two service academies as far as stretching players obviously air force basically redshirted its entire team in 2020 army has been stretching guys ever since coach munkin got there and they made a major commitment to football the naval academy was not willing to do that and it was definitely a disadvantage there were some other fundamental changes i wanted to make and our leadership wouldn't budge which i understand he then went on to say if your goal is to win then you sell your soul and do whatever it takes to win i never did that i never compromised the institution i never even considered breaking any rules i was going to do everything in my power to make sure everyone involved with our program operated with honesty and integrity end quote yeah, so Price, uh, really three thoughts on this. And, and the first one, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the Army voice here. Uh, there's a certain kind of respect you have for an ad, for you know for an opponent uh, that is unique. Army had that respect for Kenya Matalolo. Uh, I, I think I think most Army fans uh, felt bad uh, that his dismissal came immediately after the game. <clears throat> You know, if you're a Tennessee guy and you beat Alabama and they run their coach off, you're you're, you're celebrating, you're getting yeah, on, you're getting right. on a tweet machine and you're rubbing it in. That that's not the way it is in this rivalry. You saw Munkin and Niamatololo, who who we all know are close friends, that embrace at midfield. When you saw that at the end of the game, excuse me, when you saw that at the end of the game, you knew, uh, you, you knew probably something was up. So I, I just want to say that for, I think for most Army fans, they have a respect for Coach Nia Montalolo as, as an opponent that is unique to sports, and, it, it, and it's, it's an incredible respect. Two, I, I get where Glad Chuck's coming from. When he had his press conference on Sunday, everything he laid out was reasonable. The way he did it was it's just like kind of kind of like Steve said, it's inexplicable. One, you're you're not a player in the portal, so there's no pressing time commitments. The reason the reason all these coaching changes are happening so fast now is so that coaches can get in there, get the staffs set, so when the portal opens, like it did last week, they can go out and recruit guys in the portal. Navy, Army, Air Force, they're not a player in the portal. There's nothing pressing the move you can do it on sunday night you can do it on monday morning you don't have to do it in the locker room right after the press conference i just don't get it i just don't get it so so the the logic behind it i got it the way it went down was not not done well and you know that's probably cutting him a little bit of slack but here's a third thing talk about we've talked about this before you got to have the right culture fit to coach at one of these academies. Calhoun, Monk, and Niamatololo, they they do that. I think there's probably not three better guys for the service academy than those three guys. So I'll just finish that thought by saying this. Niamatololo is a much better culture fit for Navy athletics than Gladchuck is for Navy athletics. 100%. I'll turn, it, I'll turn it back over to you, Price, for that one. 
one thing that I did think was interesting uh, that Gladchuck said, and I talked to a friend of mine at a different school this morning. He said, you know, it's interesting how ADs think of themselves as general managers of their college football teams now, that they think they know more than their coaches do. And this Chuck, this uh, quote from Gladchuck to me just jumped out. Chuck Gladchuck said in Bill Wagner's story, quote, I think the triple option is really the fiber of who we are, understanding the basic principles of the triple option and hiring a staff that can implement the triple option are important, end quote. Where who, who, is under, who, who understands the triple option better than Kenny Niamatololo? Are you going to get Paul Johnson to come out of retirement and coach? Because if you're not, you got your guy already. I, I was going to say, like, he does know that he's the AD at Navy, right? <laughs> I don't know. It, here's the thing. When you're going to go out and find a triple option coach or that knows, I mean, that understands the principles, you can find a coach that understands the principles. But there's not a big bag to pick from that you're going to go out and find that have the tentacles, like, say, a Mike Leach that, you know, are from that tree. There's just not that many of them out there anymore. Um, you could find variations of it. Um, you know, Brian Bohannon at Kennesaw State was one that immediately came to mind. He coached at Navy, was a wide receivers coach, played what at Georgia, was a walk-on, um, coached at Navy with Paul Johnson in that first staff. He would be somebody I think, you know, would fit that mold. But, you know, you're a head coach at, a you know, an FCS program. I don't know if you're going to make that move. But I just thought it was interesting to hear some of the quotes of what Chet was saying that they're going to be looking for. And it's like, well, where are you going to find it, number one? And number two, who knew that better than the current coach you had there in Coach Niamatololo? So we'll find out what Navy's going to do. Uh, like I said, I, I think that Brian Newberry, the smart money, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to put it on Brian Newberry because, as I mentioned, that since 2019, he came in as the D coordinator from Kennesaw State. That's been the strength of this football team, Mike. Yeah, but but who's who's he going to bring in as the offensive coordinator? That becomes the question. Uh, it, it does, and – you know, you certainly don't think that you're going to keep any of the offensive staff from the current you, staff around. Or, or you wouldn't have fired him, exactly. Correct. So then you're going to be going outside and looking for it. You're not going to – I don't think you're going to be pulling from the Army staff or the Air Force staff. So then where do you go? That's my big question. So, I mean, you think Bohannon's going to leave? He's from Georgia, too. He's originally from Macon. So you think he's going to leave Kennesaw State two hours from his hometown, an hour from his alma mater, come up to Navy and be the offensive coordinator? I, I just – I don't – under yeah, I mean, I don't understand. you. The old rule was for an AD, you know who you're going to hire before you fire. That, that's completely went out the window these days. I, I, I honestly don't think Gladchuck has an idea of who's going to be the next offensive coordinator at Navy. Well, it'll be interesting to see, and we will find out probably, I would think, fairly short order, but we will, we'll find out. But we got more to do here on Yards and Stripes, our Travis Manning Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor and remember a fallen hero. That's coming up next, and then we're going to talk about Air Force. Got some news and notes to pass along, but the Air Force Academy getting ready for Baylor in the Lockheed Barton Armed Forces Bowl on Thursday, December 22nd. And that's all coming up next here on Yards and Stripes. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. Now time for our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor and remember a fallen hero, one that has given the ultimate sacrifice. And as we have partnered with the Travis Manion Foundation all season, let me tell you about it is the season of giving. You offer hope when it's needed the most. And right now you can go to travismanion.org and you can help grieving families honor their fallen heroes in truly healing ways. Your generous support clears a path to renewed purpose through TMF's programs where survivors can become mentors, discover their leadership capabilities, and continue their loved one's legacy of service. Give now to honor that dedication and recognize that ultimate sacrifice made by their fallen hero. The impact of your gift will be felt throughout the holiday season, which you can do and give online at travismanion.org right now during their season of giving. 
And this week on our Travis Manion Foundation Honor Roll, we're going to remember Air Force Staff Sergeant Peter W. Taub, who was serving in Operation Freedom Sentinel in, in Afghanistan when his patrol was attacked by a suicide bomber, killing him and five other soldiers near Bagram Air Force Base on December the 21st, 2015. He was a native of Philadelphia, the Philadelphia area, born on November the 2nd, 1985. And Sergeant Taub was assigned to the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, Detachment 816, out of Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota. After he graduated high school, he struggled with which life, which direction his life should go. Trying to decide his career path, he ultimately decided on the U.S. Air Force in order to hopefully discover some career choices where he might eventually move on to. And he began as a weapons loader for the for jets in Okinawa, Japan, and he was later transferred to the loading the B-1 bombers in South Dakota. And at this point, he wanted to do something different and join the Office of Special Investigations, where he was deployed to Afghanistan as part of a detachment station at Bagram Air Force Base in September of 2015. He and 12 other OSI agents and security personnel were doing intel in a meet-and-greet with a neighboring village in Afghanistan when a suicide bomber came up on a bicycle. Peter Taub's wife, Christina, was pregnant with her second child when he died at the age of 30, and he served in the Air Force for eight years before he deployed to Afghanistan and ultimately gave the ultimate sacrifice. He was awarded posthumously the Bronze Star, Purple Heart, Air Force Commendation Medal, and the Air Force Combat Action Medal. He is survived by his wife, Christina, his daughter, Penelope, another daughter, his mother, Arlene Wagner, and her husband, Alan, along with his father, Joel Taub, and his wife, Donna, along with a brother, John Taub. And this this time, we'll take a step back to remember those that have given that ultimate sacrifice, especially during this holiday season where... Unfortunately, families don't have their loved one there because they have given to our nation for our freedoms, for our flag, and some have made that ultimate sacrifice. So we take the time to remember those like Air Force Staff Sergeant Peter W. Taub here on Yards and Stripes. Travis Mannion Foundation's 9-11 Heroes Run 5K Race Series unites communities across the country and around the world to honor the sacrifices of September 11th and the war since. Join your community this September and register to run, walk, or rock by visiting 911heroesrun.org. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. All right, final segment here on Yards and Stripes before we get out of here. Talk a little bit of Air Force. Congratulations to senior offensive lineman Isaac Cochran. You heard us mention him a little bit earlier um, in the season, but he was named second team Walter Camp All-American. And for those scoring at home that know college football, you know that the Walter Camp All-American team is the nation's oldest college football All-American squad. This being the 133rd edition this year, as he is the fifth program player in program history to earn Walter Camp All-American honors in the first since defensive back Carlton McDonald in 1992. Uh, so congratulations to Isaac Cochran, also a first-team All-Mount West selection, as well as a Sporting News midseason All-American this year, anchoring that offensive line that leads the nation in rushing at 330.9 yards per game. The Army West Point ticket office announcing renewals for the college football season next year are underway. You can renew your season tickets for 2023 by calling 877-TIX-ARMY or going online uh, to the Army Athletics website to go ahead and get your ticket membership renewal in for the 2023 college football season there at Mikey Stadium. And guys, before we get out of here, we'll be back next week on uh, the week of Christmas as we will break down the Air Force and Baylor Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on Thursday, December 22nd on ESPN. Baylor 6-6, six and six, Air Force 9-3. and three. Baylor now, they were a 6.5-point favorite last week, down to 5.5, over-under still at 49.5. Tickets available at GoAirForceFalcons.com. Um, guys, Air Force has traveled really well to this bowl game. This is going to be, I think, what, the sixth time in school history I really like Air Force in this football game. 
We're going to break it down next week and talk all about it. But uh, Air Force four straight versus Power Five opponents has an eight and twelve record since two thousand three. I think this is a great matchup for the Falcons. Real quick before we get out of here, guys. Yeah, looking forward to it. Baylor Big Twelve real good this year. So six and six is a little bit better than than a previous Baylor six and six record. Looking forward to previewing that game. And it's definitely better than what the uh, Big 12 will look like next year. If you're 6-6 six and six in the Big 12 next year, uh, that's going to be a disappointment for Bailey. We will break down the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl next week as we get you ready for kickoff. That one again in Fort Worth on Thursday, December the 22nd, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN Air Force and Baylor. Tickets available at Go. AirForceFalcons.com. All right, appreciate Steve, appreciate Mike all season long tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this. We will talk to you next week and get you ready for that bowl game. Until then, enjoy the holiday week as we get ready for Christmas next week. But until then, appreciate you listening to Yards and Stripes as we are part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. To get more on all things Service Academy Football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And make sure that you're subscribing to the College Gridiron Coast to Coast podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts.